Welcome, everyone, to episode seven of Where's This Going? I'm Felix Levine, and today we have another great episode for you. But first, I want to say a big thank you to our sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. All of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles. They do not use any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs whatsoever. Enjoy gourmet dining in the comfort of your own home. If you've never had grass-fed steaks, you truly have no idea what you are missing. The New York strips, the T-bones, filet mignons, ribeyes, all grass-fed and grass-finished on sustainable family farms, served in fine dining establishments all over the country and in homes just like yours. All natural has absolutely never been so delicious. I encourage you to know where your food is coming from. And U.S. Wellness Meats have some of the best products in the business. They've been reviewed by all major publications, best-selling cookbooks, and other huge broadcasts like the New York Times, Chicago Herald, Paleo Magazine, and many, many others. Go get your favorite meats and seafood directly at uswellnessmeats.com. They have over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store. And guess what? When you use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you will get 15% off store-wide savings today. Another big thank you to my sponsor, Infinite CBD. Use promo code WTG10 and receive 10% off of your next order on infinitecbd.com. And today, my next guest is an actor and a photographer. You may have seen him on Law & Order or The Wisdom of the Crowd, or more recently, one of my favorite all-time shows, Billions. He is the great and powerful Malachi Weir. Beautiful. So I'm here with Malachi Weir. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Thank you for being here. I oh, appreciate it. So what we're, what I told you earlier is I want to start, I want to debut something right. where I have all my guests, and I gave you a little bit of notice, a couple sure. hours at least. A couple hours. <laughs> where I want to start with a little, a story. And it's very vague when I say that. Right. Um, but I do think... This story should be something, um, as I kind of said to you earlier, was is something that you might not find on the internet or right. people might not know about you. It could be about you. It could be something that is meaningful to you. It could be about your family. It could be something that just prompts the beginning of this episode in a way that is maybe a little bit unexpected. So I know you, you thought about something. You said you had something. Yes. Go. All right. Whatever you want. <clears throat> well... Um, hopefully this will be uh, entertaining. Uh, around uh, 2000, uh, I was walking down the street and I had just started my acting career um, and was doing a recurring on Law & Order. was really proud of this and, and just, you know, happy, like, wow, I'm doing the thing I want to do. Um, 
walking down the street and this guy stops me and he's like, dude, where do I know you from? And I start getting excited, like, oh, wow, it's happening. This is so cool. Like, he knows my work. And I'm like, uh, so I, I let him, you know, oh, is it from the grocery store? Do you go do yoga here? I'm like, nope, nope. And then finally I decide I'm going to put him out of his misery and I'll be like, no, I've got a recurring on Law and & Order. And he's like, I don't watch TV. And I'm like, uh, okay. And he goes through like two or three more things. And he's like, do you take your dog to the dark park on 4th? I'm like, yes, I do. He's like, that's where it is. And I'm like, from that moment on, I was like, I'm never, ever telling anyone what I do again. People can guess until they're blue in the face. But I, I was so proud of myself and so shouldn't have been. Have you had any moments since then? Oh, yeah. No, since then. Since and then, since then, they get it right. They get it because it's, of your roles. Yeah, things, things are definitely different, uh, different now. I did have one guy at the beginning of, uh, of uh, Billion Season 1 come up to me. He walked, he walked by me on the street and he's like, Dude, love you on House of Cards. And I was like, thanks. It's like, yeah, it's a cable show, so it's pretty close. <laughs> and uh, so kind of getting into the beginning, at least, right. of your career. Sure. There's always this idea, especially with actors, yeah. that in the beginning, it's this idea of the struggling actor right. that's working a bunch of different jobs or is just getting rejected a lot. Can you talk to us a little bit about the beginning of your career and if you had any of those really struggling moments or doubts that is this really the right thing for me to be doing? Well, I definitely did. I mean, I think, I think pretty much everyone does. I mean, there's, there are people who are related to people there that, that have a much easier time, you know, but uh, I definitely was not coming from that uh, point of view and same, you know, parents that paid for me to go to good schools. They're like, you're going to throw your life away. You know, friends are like, well, why are you doing this? So there was a lot of the, the struggle was, sort of the emotional, mental struggle of like saying, no, I'm really going to do this thing. I'm going to really commit to it. And you have to really commit to it to do it. Um, so I think sort of softening all those voices and, and trying to find your voice and trying to make sure you can really do this, that's the most important thing. Um, the I was fortunate when I came to New York. Uh, I found a job working in a black and white photo lab, which uh, was a great experience because photography is my other one, of my other loves. So I got to print all day and printed stuff for um, fashion photographers, for celebrities, for actors, and it was great. It was a, it was a great experience. Um, I had a really nice talk with one of the photographers there, this guy Glenn Justin, who. I said something really asinine, like, oh, one day I'm not going to work here. I'm going to be playing like Harrison Ford's son and screw this place. And he's like, you know, that's not the way it works, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, uh, you'll get a small part in a big movie. You'll get a big part in a small movie. It's not going to be a clear choice. And it was one of the lessons I learned early on that I thought was really important, that I think when you start out, uh, you have dreams. You've got a fantasy about a thing. And when you only have a fantasy about a thing, it, it's not real, which sounds obvious, but... What I mean is there's no nuts and bolts to it. It's no, you don't really understand how a thing works. It's just kind of like, well, it'd be really cool if one day this thing happened. So understanding that, and then a few months later, that's exactly what happened. I had an opportunity where it was the lead role in a small film, and my boss was like, you can't do that and keep working here. And I was like, shit. Wow, I really have to make a choice. It's not a clear choice. They're difficult choices. Um, so I, I left my job and did the small independent film that turned out to be a horrible, horrible film. And <laughs> nobody saw it. it didn't, I, didn't think it even, I don't think it even got finished getting made. So, uh, yeah, you learn. <laughs> and what, were, did you have a supportive family when you told them you were going to commit to acting full-time? Yes and no. Uh, my mother wanted to be an actor when she was younger, uh, and I think that she liked the idea of it. 
Um, my father has taken a more traditional route, but he is totally an artist within his own right. But I think when you send your kid to prep school and when you are accomplished in your fields, you don't really want to hear that your kid wants to be an actor. Um, <clears throat> so that was, I think, I think it was difficult for them. Uh, they supported me along the way for sure, but, uh, you know, when things were certainly in the early years, if I had a commercial that I did, they were like, oh, fantastic, this is great. And then if I had like a year where I wasn't working, it was like, I don't know, you need to do something else. This isn't going to work. And it's tough. You don't want to let people close to you down. So, but yeah, they, they, they did what they could. <laughs> did you know in your younger years that that was what you wanted to do? When, when did you first take your first acting class or your first, what was your first show? Or do you, do you remember these kind of moments? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, I remember watching... Uh, the show Emergency when I was a kid. And there was always someone hanging off a cliff. And it was, give me your hand. So I used to go to the jungle gym when I was a kid and just like hang upside down and be like, give me your hand to anyone that passed by. Uh, I remember that. Uh, Twilight Zone, that was huge for me when I was a kid. Um, my, my parents would be having like, you know, their adult time when I was a kid and I would be upstairs and I would go turn on the TV and it was always like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And Twilight Zone was on. It was Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, uh, Night Gallery. So at a very early age, I was getting some really kind of interesting messages. <laughs> but part of that message was that uh, you, can, you can take people to a different world. You can really transport someone with something like this. Um, and obviously Twilight Zone, it's sort of a, you know, transporting someone to a different world on top of the fact that it's a TV show. That's what the show is about and trying to see things from a different perspective. So... Those were, uh, those were the early ones, and then it went into Star Wars, of course, and uh, I think when I, when I knew I really wanted to do this... How old are you? I want to say 10, oh. I think. I mean, younger, I knew that like, I was really interested in the stuff, and I was, I was fascinated by it, but I think when I was 10, I went to go see Cannonball Run, or some old Burt Reynolds thing, and they had the outtakes at the end of the movie. So the whole movie, you know, my 10-year-old brain is like, cool cars and girls and, oh, this is awesome. Then I see the outtakes and I see them all laughing and having this great time together. And I was like, where do I sign up for this job? You know, um, so it was, you know, it's layers. There's like the, the, the juvenile kind of just awe of it, of, you know, well, all of it. Um, and then beginning to understand what work could be and what I might want to do. Uh, I remember hearing something probably around 12 or 13 where uh, William Hurt was in a movie called The Doctor. I think it was called The Doctor. Uh, but he talked about being able to go to ERs and, and watch these guys do stuff. And I'm like, what other job can you do this where you can actually get this kind of experience in a profession that you may not want to do? And I've been fortunate. I've been able to do some of that stuff, which has been fantastic. So... Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Did yeah. you always, even in some of the, the harder moments where there were those doubts or you had your parents maybe saying, is this the right thing? Right. Did you always kind of know in the back of your head, like, I got this? Yes. Um, got enough. Don't know if it's going to be, I'm going to end up as Brad Pitt, but I think I can do this for a living, you know? Um, yeah, I think that I, I idolized all the... Uh, all the, uh, all the kind of solo acts, all the people that beat the odds, you know. Um, uh, I, I do blame Harrison Ford for a lot of my, my issues, though, because between Han Solo and Indiana Jones, I'm like, let me wait for the last minute to do something. Let me see if I can just barely make it through and get it done. So <laughs> that's his fault, but the rest of it <laughs> was all me. Yeah, and I, I, I just, every, everything I watched, everything I read, um, um, uh, certainly when I got older, I think um, 
uh, charismatic leaders I would look at and see the same thing that you got to battle some kind of incredible odds to uh, to to have great success. You know, um, greater the risk, the greater the reward. Often, um, so every time something went kind of poorly, I was like, okay, this is a lesson, and trying to teach myself that it's a lesson rather than a defeat. Let me try to learn from this, and understanding early on as well that that's where we learn. You know, people will pat you on the back and say you're fantastic, and that's great, but digging in deep and understanding what you need to do, what's wrong, how do you fix the machine, that was important. And do you, the same kind of, I guess a little bit similar, but being an actor or an artist, mm-hmm. it's a big, you know, you always hear it's, it's the field of rejection. Right. And how do you, I mean, you have, it seems like a very good mindset on like bouncing back or making those yeah. adjustments, but how have you over the years, like, you know, you're a very successful actor now, but how have you handled rejection as a whole? Oh, well, as a whole, would include things outside of the business, so that's more complicated. Okay, but let's, let's, well, you can, you can do both, as you please. Within the business, it would be easier, maybe. <laughs> um, well, I, and I make the joke because uh, my best friend's father years ago said, how do you deal with rejection? And I said, I'll take it over asking someone out. Because if I ask somebody out and they say no, I'm like, oh my God, it's me, there's something wrong with me. But in this business, you realize that you could be great, but you know the the lead is six two, and they need to have a guy that's at least six foot to go with them. Like you understand that there are many many factors that will get you the part and not keep you from getting the part. Um, tell me the question again. I want to make sure I'm, I'm I know I'm starting to trail a little bit. Just how. For you, how do you how do you bounce back from the rejections? From the rejections, or do you? Does it? I mean, maybe in the beginning you took it more to heart, or now you just know it's a business. It's it's, some days it's yes, some days it's no. Yeah, I mean that's the way it feels at this point. Uh, Auditions are different for me. They look different now than they did five years ago than they did ten years ago. Um, I feel like around five ten years ago, actually, there was an interesting time because I started seeing some of the same people at auditions, which I generally don't because my type doesn't really exist in the world. So I'm kind of being slotted into different places, and then eventually kind of get slotted into, you know, an area with a bunch of guys that kind of go out have a kind of sarcasm or or whatever they have that these people like. and it was always really nice. I always enjoyed that. This was my experience. I know that uh, actresses can have a different experience in the room, but the guys would sit there and be like, "Oh, you were great in that." No, you were great in that. It's like, well, they're you know they're going to dig you this time. I think no, they're going to dig you this time. And it was really, I think, kind of like honest and cool because we all felt that we were competent actors and we understand the business enough to know that they're going to pick one of us for one reason or another. We all can do the job. Uh, and I also got that lesson when I was younger, which was great too. Uh, uh, my first agent, uh, Steve Carson, uh, gave me great advice. I was still living in Connecticut, and and uh, they wanted to sign me, and I had no idea. I'm like, why do you want to sign me? I haven't booked anything. I'm not, you know, what the hell? And he's like, no, you get callbacks all the time. And I, again, like, okay, what's your point? And he said, if you get the audition, it means you've got the look. Not that you're good looking, but you've got a look that they want uh, or could want. If you get a callback, it means you've gone in there, and they're like, no, he can do the job. Getting the part becomes more complicated, and it's not just what you do in the room. So early on, I got that in my head, that just get the callback. You know, do good work. Don't take it personally if you don't get it. There are a million reasons why you might not get it. Doesn't mean that you don't sometimes, but it was a great lesson to get in the beginning. Do you have any good advice for your 20-year-old self? My 20-year-old self? Oof, lots of advice. Uh, Hmm. 
keep it up. The things that, that will get you down don't because all those things that got you down between 20 and now, most of them are irrelevant. And then, so you did a few things before, obviously, Law & Order. Yeah. But Law & Order was like the first massive one, would you say? Yeah, I got my SAG card doing American Psycho, um, which was a fantastic experience. Oh, um, uh, Mary Heron. Yes, Mary Heron. She's, uh, I'm good friends with her daughter. Oh my God, well, please tell her and daughter, tell her I said hello. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't... Really? I didn't, yeah, I didn't it's not, it's not, it's doesn't, it's not, I can show you a videotape of it. And that's wow. actually one of the great stories. I'm happy to, to share Go that with it. you because uh, Mary was fantastic. Uh, again, perfect, it's a perfect story. Um, wow, where do I start with this one? Okay. Um, 1999, I think. Uh, I had just been out there doing plays and some print jobs and weird stuff. And uh, I did a one-on-one, -on -one, one of the actor services where you used to meet casting directors. And I met a casting director who we seemed to get along really well. He said, look, I've given this, this scene to tons of people. Everyone kind of does it the same way. You did it totally differently, but I believed everything. He's like, this is great. So again, great compliment. Best thing I could possibly hear. He's like, so you're in the union, right? I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, ooh. So I'm like, ah, come on. How does this work? Like, I know this is about to catch 22. So the short version of the story, I guess, because it will be a long story, is that Pretty much every month um, for a year, I was doing something where I could send him a postcard, say, hey, I'm doing this thing, hey, I'm doing this thing. So a year later, he's like, look, got an audition for you. It's American Psycho, um, Mary Heron, da 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 She knows the situation. Come on in and let's, let's see if we can make this happen. So I go in, I meet her. <laughs> and at the time, my hair was all so long. And she's like, would you, would you cut your hair for this? And I was like, don't, don't bellboys wear like hats or something? You know, because I had just started and I really thought like, let me try to make sure that whatever is working is working. I was terrified to change anything. So we had a joke about the hair thing. And then I walked out and the casting director said, would you, would you cut your hair? And again, I'm kind of in that young place of like, well, you know, I need to stand my ground. So I think it's really important. And I'm going, oh, God. So I didn't hear for, for two months. And like every day I'm like, oh, you idiot, you idiot. How did you do this? Why? Um, had a really beautiful moment um, where another friend of mine took me to the set of Oz and I'd met Tom Fontana a couple times uh, prior to this. Uh, got there, he showed me around the set, which was amazing. I'm a huge Tom Fontana, Barry Levinson fan. I mean, Homicide Life on the Street, I think is sort of like the show. Um, so he's showing me the set, it's fantastic. Uh, I have a great talk afterwards and I walk away and I'm kind of like in this weird place of like, oh man, what the fuck? Like my career and like I'm so close but I'm not close to anything and um, walking down the street and this guy looking for CDs or something almost runs, runs into me. So I slam the hood of his car. I'm like, dude. So he gets out of the car and he's like, what the fuck? And you hit my car. And I'm just in this weird place of like, yeah, man, I haven't been in a fight since fourth grade. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck, dude? And I'm like ready to go there. And I swear to God, someone puts their hand on my shoulder, soft as touch, turns me around, looks me in the eye and says, it's not worth it. Totally calm, totally sweet, snapped me right out of it and was like, right, right. <laughs> like, cause like, it's not my, my nature to, <laughs> to pick fights. So I was like, wow. And I turned around, and I said, it's not worth it, man. And I turned back around and that guy was gone. I swear to God, the guy that tapped me on the shoulder was gone. I could not find him. 
And I'm in the middle of the street. Like, I mean, I'm on like 14th and 10th Avenue. I'm looking around. I can't find him. Sounds like some spiritual. It was, right? Are you sure it was a person? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're out there. Thank you. You know, whoever you are, whatever you are. Um, but then I went home and had a message on my machine that said, you got American Psycho. Wow. So I have no idea, you know, that guy could have beat me up. I mean, yeah, he was definitely bigger than me. I definitely would have beat me up. <laughs> um, so that's how I got it. And it was just this sort of like really beautiful set of circumstances that came together uh, for me to have the audition in the first place, and then for me to get it. I went and did the job, um, got to meet Christian Bale, and it was the first like celebrity I met that I'm working with. And when I first meet him, Mary's like, oh, hey, this is Christian Bale, Malachi, where I was like, oh, hey, he goes, hey. And I was like, oh my God, actors are terrible. Oh no, it's gonna be a horrible experience. He shows up again, two minutes later, puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, I am so sorry. I haven't had coffee yet. I'm the worst person in the morning. He goes, how are you, man? And the nicest guy ever, wow. just absolutely the nicest guy. Um, shot the scene. Uh, it was it was it was good, pretty good, I guess. Uh, Which scene is it? Well, it's a scene. I where, watched it recently. Well, it's not in the movie, unless I, I don't know if they did anything in the, okay. the re-release. But what happened was, we shoot the thing. Mary Heron turns out she lived a couple blocks away from me. So she lived I, in in Cobble Hill, right next to my old school. And I was down at on the side. So we would see each other like at Sidewalk Cafe or something. We just kept like walking and bumping into each other. And she'd be like, oh, I saw the stuff. It looks great. Or like, oh, we're cutting stuff together. It's great. So I go to my, my first high school reunion. And they're like, oh, dude, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm going to be an American psycho. It's going to be amazing. And this is, again, another reason why I keep my mouth shut. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. you got to watch it. I come back that weekend. I see her in the street. She goes, Malachi. And I was like, oh, my God, you cut me. She's like, it had nothing to do with you. I wrote a scene that was pretty much straight out of the book where I was the doorman and Kristen Bale's character came in and he's like, you know, 4F. And I'm like, oh, the real estate agent's upstairs. So there's no way he would actually go upstairs at that point. So they had to cut the scene because it just didn't make sense. There's no way he would have gone upstairs. He has to just kind of go up. So uh, I felt terrible. I was like, oh my God, this was like, I've told all these people. This is, uh, now I'm now in the situation. And she was like, look, you're amazing. I told her, Miramax, you're fantastic. And she's like, let me get you tape. So she got herself together in the middle of cutting this film, put uh, my, my, uh, my take on there, two of my takes, and then the, the edited thing between Christian Bale and myself. And she had someone messenger it over to me. Wow. So, I mean, for an early experience, you really can't get better than that. She took a chance on me, we had a good experience, and she was just absolutely the sweetest thing. And I was able to use that for my reel and show people, so that becomes one of the building blocks for my reel, for my experience, for, for everything. So. Shout out to Mary Heron Walsh Mary and, the whole, Heron. and the whole Walsh family. A, a great family. I don't know if you've met any of her. I, I met her her husband, husband yeah. is also, I think he's a, a director. I think so too. I met her husband back then as well. A great but family. Yeah, yeah, super great. Thank so, you, Mary Heron. <laughs> so then from there, so then after American Psycho, yeah. it was Law and Order was the big one for you. That was the big one, yeah. So that was from 2000 to 2010, I believe? Yeah, that sounds so much cooler. I mean, it was like four or five episodes in there, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So you worked with Chris Maloney? I did, but that's for uh, Special Victims Unit. Oh, So right. he's Special Victims Unit, but yes, I did. And how's he? Because yeah. I, I know I'm actually also friends with his daughter. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, shout out to the Maloney's as well. Um, what was it like working with him? Uh, it was great. It was it was a very short, um, uh, short experience. Um, 
actually, I had done stand-in work for Ice-T for one episode. And everyone's like, oh, you're the new stand-in. I was like, no, I'm literally like my friend's getting married. I need some extra cash. So I'm just doing this. Like, no, no, you're, it's going to be like three years. We got picked up. It's amazing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, so I only did it for the one episode. And then, you know, met Ice-T, met everybody. But Ice-T was like, oh, you don't want to do this? And I was like, no, it's not personal. I could just, you know, I want this other stuff. Um, so then I started auditioning for SVU. And the producer was kind of like, oh, you're our Ice-T stand-in. I was like, no, that was just the one time. So you're going to convince people that's not your thing. Right. And then uh, I guess they had seen my second Law & Order happen. So then they were like, oh, okay, oh, now we get it. So then they bring me back in and I get the part. And it's literally like a guy opens the door, he's like, why? No, I haven't seen him. You know, shuts the door. Like it was like a like a very small scene, um, and then got to set and uh, got to re meet Ice T and everybody in different circumstances, which was fascinating. But that's when I met Chris Maloney, and uh, he was really nice. Uh, it was really intense, really like thoughtful. Like he's he takes his job seriously, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we had a little bit of a break and I got to ask him about working with some of the other people that he's worked with and he just lit up to, so you could see how much he loves the business, talking about other things that he had done. And just, How would you, you describe know. some of the, um, or your experience m with most of the actors that you've worked with? Do you feel like the, the acting industry as a whole, I mean, I'm sure it can be pretty cutthroat at times, mm. but have you, for the most part, had pretty good experiences working on set with other actors? I've had great experiences, which either means I'm an idiot and I'm not seeing things that are terrible, <laughs> or uh, I've been really, really fortunate. Uh, fortunate to the point where when people say the bad things happen, I almost don't believe them. So I feel really fortunate. Um, pretty much every actor I've worked with, I had one actor that I worked with, who I didn't even work with him. I just met him on set. And I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, ugh. And then I saw his character, and that was his entire character, and I heard he was a method actor. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. That was like the worst thing I can tell you about anyone. Uh, everyone else has been really giving and open and, and, and really cool. We talk about your mindset or what goes through your mind or what place do you go to mm -hmm. when you're acting? Hmm. I think that... You know, the more I do, the more I refine this thing. And I always tell people, you, most people have a job and they've got like a two-week training period and you get to learn how things work and then you move on from there. This business, to, to get two weeks of training could take you a lifetime to actually have, you know, that many hours, like 80 hours of, of, of work. Not sitting in your trailer, but I mean doing the work. Um, and I think that where I'm at right now with it is I try to do all the work I can beforehand, uh, working the lines, working the character, work on what the circumstances are, the reality of that person. Um, so when I get to set, I can try to just relax and try to stay open because I think that's the way we are as human beings. I am who I am and then you know I come in here to meet you and it's still me, but it's also it's me talking to someone, not me sitting watching TV. Right. You know, so it's um, you need to take whatever you've done and then when you get there, understand that the dynamic that happens with the other actor the director with the story, someone changes a line, that you have to still maintain who you are in that. So that work you do beforehand has to be there. It can't be, can't be soft work because then think too much changes. We talk about kind of, to bounce right off of that, right. your preparation. Right. What does your preparation process look like? 
Uh, still working on it, really. I mean, uh, memorizing lines, um, depending on what I'm, if I'm doing something where the character is more conversational, it's much easier. Doing stuff for, you know, for Billions or for this other show, Wisdom of the Crowd, where it's like technical and, and, and it's money and it's finance and it's, it's tons of terms that I'm learning for the first time. It takes more because you, we associate with, with words, with ideas. So when a concept on, you know, some kind of financial uh, investment happens and I'm not familiar with it, it's like, okay, I've got to learn about the financial investment, let alone just working on the lines. So that stuff is a little bit more labor intensive. Um, but yeah, understanding the concepts, understanding the character, understanding the scene, um, and then running the lines over and over again and trying to do them in different ways, that way to keep yourself flexible. Because if you do the same thing the same, the same way over and over again, just like for anybody else, you get stuck in your head a certain way. So whether it's driving to work or, or working on the lines, like you have to make sure that you stay flexible because real life, there's much more flexibility than, uh, than everything we have planned, best laid plans of Mice and Men. So. And do you have, have you ever felt that you've become too much of a character that you've played? Uh, no, I look forward to that. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of the characters I've played so far, um, they've been pretty, well, certainly lately, they've been more straight-laced. Um, I think that the ethics of, of, of Lonnie are probably closer to mine, so that's an interesting kind of tug-of-war there. Um, but... I don't know. I, I know it was fun doing Rescue Me and, and doing my own stunts and being stuck in a room that was on fire. Like it was really easy to get into character because you just, your environment is so powerful that you can get lost in that. And that's really wonderful. I mean, when you can get lost in something, that's amazing. Um, when your character is getting lost in a thing, it's easier. If your character is rigid, it's difficult to get lost in that, at least for me. Mm. Do you feel like acting is therapeutic for you? Hmm. I don't know. I suppose on a certain level it is because I'm doing the thing that I want to be doing with my life. So that makes me feel good. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think I've had any roles where I'm like, oh, I'm really getting out, working out some serious stuff. Like I've had a character that's, that's working through things that I'm working through. So it hasn't been therapeutic in that way, but it just overall the idea that I get to do what I want to do. Are there any roles that you've had that, I don't want to say your favorite, but right. one that you really... Like, I mean, you said a little bit Lonnie, but that you related to the most? Yeah, in different ways. I mean, I think that's, that's part of the process, actually, is that trying to find something you relate to with every character so you can breathe real life into it instead of commenting on the character, right? Um, so Lonnie is, uh, is fun. He's, he's more rigid, but it's fun. Um, yeah, I certainly can be rigid, so <laughs> there's certainly stuff in there for me with that. Um, uh, I did a Chicago PD that I really enjoyed. Uh, the character was really angry, and most of the stuff I do, again, it's 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 you know I'm I'm being serious. It's straight, and this guy was just like, "This is bullshit," and whatever. So it was fun. I got lost in that a little bit because you're on an emotional ride where I think um, uh, other characters I've played more recently are on an intellectual ride, mm. and. With Billions, now mm. we're talking a little bit about Lonnie. Yeah. What's your experience been like, at least on, it was end of season four, so for the yeah. first four seasons. Did, were you, right. you were on all four seasons, correct? All four, yeah. Yes. Because yeah. I remember, especially early on. Um, right. 
What has your experience been like working on a show like that? Um, I don't know where to begin with how amazing it's been. I mean, from the personal, the fact that I quit smoking because of the show. Really? To why? the professional. The why? Yeah. Uh, why I knew I wanted to and I kept telling myself that when I get a part that's like really cool, I'm going to quit smoking. And wow. it just, they, they asked me back for season two and, and they were like, it's going to be a bigger role. We really enjoyed having you here. And I thought, well, I can't pretend this isn't the moment that's been in my head. Uh, and fortunately, there was a guy whose name I can't remember and it's killing me, but he was, uh, he was the fuel truck driver on the show. Um, he's one of, the, one of the crew guys. Okay. And he also was helping people to quit smoking. He was doing this laser treatment thing. 200 bucks, sat in my trailer on the last day of season one, said goodbye to everybody. He's like, come on, we're doing it. He's like this gruff kind of Brooklyn guy. So he's like, we're going to take you through a meditation. It's going to be great. Uh, it was fantastic. He was awesome. Wait, so what was the, what was the treatment like? He, I, it's like laser uh, pressure points. For It took half an hour. And I have never thought about smoking again. Wait, because I've I, never heard of this. I swear to God. And I'd, if it was some kind of placebo, I bought it. You know, I, I'm, it, it worked. Wait, so they take a laser and it's yeah. on your wrist. And it's you like said? he's talking to you and he does stuff around your wrist. What's he saying? It's like some hypnosis kind of thing? <laughs> no, I mean, it was great. Again, his accent was fantastic. He's like, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful thing. You know, you're going you're gonna to you're gonna feel fantastic when this is all done. Uh, it's, like, it's like a walk in the park. You're never going to want a cigarette again. I promise you, there's no fucking way you're going to smoke. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Just think about yourself in a field right now. Just this whole thing. Like, so he's talking through this thing and he's doing hitting all your pressure points, like the temple, I mean, the ears. Um, so I'm listening. Is, is, the, is the laser painful? Is it just no, like, it's no, like, it's a, like a light? Jazz? It's just like a oh. light. It's like a light. It's like the same thing. That's oh, it's literally just a light. It's like a light. And he's just talking to you as you do it. As he's doing it. That's and amazing. I've never heard of that. I, I smoked a lot. And I remember thinking at the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to get in the car. And you know what? I threw out my cigarettes before this started, but I can get some on the way home. And I spent the next couple days saying, I don't, uh, why is this not, uh, I'm not having a thing. It was completely set. And he told me this. He said that, when he, did, when he did this for himself to quit smoking, he had cigarettes that he kept in a drawer next to the dining room table. And when he quit, he would finish dinner and he'd walk to the cabinet and just stand there for a minute. <laughs> and it's true. Like, there's, he just takes that part of your brain that wants, to that wants the cigarette and just takes it out. It was fascinating. I mean, I usually most things seem to take much more work and this was essentially effortless. And how many years had you been smoking for? 12, I think. Wow. And so then 20, 30 minutes. That's it. And that's you haven't smoked it. since? No. A single cigarette? No, no, no. That's amazing. I've, and I've, I've, I've smelled it and been like, ah, oh, yes, in a coffee. And again, it's that part where it's like, it's like you say it and then tumbleweed blows through your brain and then you're like, ah, what's on TV? Like it just, the desire just is removed. It was beautiful. I, I, I can't thank him enough. Wow. Yeah. So from that... <laughs> Uh, something like that. And then, you know, being able to work with Paul Giamatti pretty much every time I work is, I don't know where to begin. Are you guys very close friends now? We are def. I, I let him tell you if we're close friends. We're <laughs> definitely friends. I'd like to think we're close friends. Um, but yeah, we're supposed to get together, um, towards the end of the month and I'm looking forward to that. And so, yeah. So what's it like working on set with Giamatti and mm -hmm. Lewis and the rest of the cast? Well, um... You know, Damien and I have not had a scene together um, at the end of first season. I was thinking that I was because I was looking. I was when I was 
doing all my research, right. I was re-watching a lot of the, the, the scenes that you were in. Right. And I realized, I was like, wait, because you're always, you know, you're on the lawyer side. Right. So you're not really that much with Damien, especially in the beginning when there's right. the big rift. Right. Um, but yeah, there are no, you, you don't, there's not a single scene with you and Damien? I am, I have uh, until, uh, you know, spoiler alert if anyone hasn't seen okay. season four. So if you haven't seen season four, don't then, listen. then don't listen right now. Okay. Turn it off. Go run over there. Turn it <laughs> off. Pause it. All right. We're safe. Possibly. Um, yeah, until this season, that was it. It was all on, on that side of things. Um, so, yeah, I worked with uh, uh, Toby and, and Condola and uh, uh, other actors that we'd bring in and, and Paul. Uh, but uh, the, the entire experience is fantastic. One of the, my favorite Damien moment, one of my favorite Damien moments was, uh, again, towards the end of first season, uh, I think I, I booked the tick. He was like, you're not leaving our show, are you? I was like, no, no, I'm just doing a thing. He's like, you can't leave our show. He's like, we got to have a scene together. And I was like, <laughs> like I just completely melted. I was like, wow, that was so cool. So I've, I've told that story a thousand times. Like, you know, Damien Lewis wants to do a scene with me. I'm just telling you, he, he said that. <laughs> but he's great. Everyone, everyone there is great. I mean, I, I feel like uh, I, I can't sing their praises enough. Uh, the writing on the show is fantastic. The producers are great. Uh, the whole way I got on the show and, and the, the, the talks we had in the beginning about what we were trying to do, uh, just to be a part of something that's ambitious where the people involved are smart, um, compassionate, funny. Like, it's the, it's the greatest work environment. It and really is. What's it like, you know, off stage or in between the scenes when you guys are, are joking around or, or what's that, what's that yeah. environment like? It's fantastic. It's like, I told you like watching all those behind the scenes when I was a kid and like the outtakes and that's what it's like. It's complete wish fulfillment on that. Like we're there and yeah, sometimes people run and they get their phones and they do their thing. But people, you know, we're talking about great food that we had, talking about some vacation, some movie, you know, we'll run around, quote, Jaws, whatever, like whatever it is. Like we just, we have fun. And do you find that your motivation for the most part is from within or is it by working with such, you know, talented cast members as well that they also then make you want to push yourself even more? Absolutely. Um, uh, act, acting teacher uh, Peter Kelly from years ago uh, told me something great. We were in class and I can't remember the specifics, but he said something like, why was your scene great? And I'm like, oh, because I made really bold choices. Why was your scene great? Because I think I did this. And it's I, I, I. And he's like, your scene was great because your other partner gave you amazing stuff to work on. I was like, right. So again, the beautiful, humbling moments that uh, if you let them affect you, will affect you. So yeah, every, uh, every moment I'm working with someone and I see choices that they make, I see how they commit to their work, uh, all different levels I'm, I'm learning from, I'm taking it all in. So I'm still trying to be a sponge. <laughs> Did you think the show would have this much success when you first started? That's an interesting question. Uh, I guess short answer, yes. You know, you start doing the sort of math, like I've been a part of, I've done tons of pilots. Um, so you hang out with people, you kind of go, oh, this is really great and we've got a celebrity and oh, this is definitely gonna go. And you take it from these different standpoints of like the kind of, you know, algorithm America sort of like, well, look, we've got this star and this star and this sort of money, which is a sure thing. But algorithms are ridiculous. I mean, I know it's the way our, we run everything now, but it doesn't account for, for feelings and, and actually moving people. So when we 
had our season one, I thought, wow, this is cool and like a lot of, you know, interesting stuff and good stories. But those things don't always translate. I mean, I've been a part of some great shows that never got, got off the ground. Um, so you're really, really hopeful. And you're like, I think this one's got a chance. But then there are some really horrible shows that make it on television that should not be on TV. So you just really right. don't know where it's going to go. But when you look at what everyone's done how much people care about it, uh, you couldn't help but think that you were part of something really special. And so we kind of talked about this a little bit before we, we went live, but sure. season five, yes, a little bit up in the air. Do you, so your, your role or how, how, how would you, how would you describe sure, that? Sure, my role. Is, <laughs> is, how's that process like um, kind of behind the scenes of when you're talking to the producers and knowing if you're going to be back and then do you know obviously you can't tell do you know any of the plot for season five or do they tell you any of this beforehand uh, okay that was a few questions i know that was like no three. no no it's okay it's okay um we're gonna weave it together um i believe what happens mostly is they uh, they have an arc. They know for the for the life of the show, for each season, and along the way they ma they tweak things. They find out what works, what doesn't work, and they they push forward. Um, my character when I auditioned for Lonnie was one scene that said it's a possible recur. So literally my first scene, I get fired. <laughs> <laughs> so when that happened, I was like, well, this has been really cool. And yeah, possible recur, but everything's possible recur. So it's been really cool. I'm getting kicked out. So that's, that's it. Um, when they kept bringing me back, it was really exciting. Um, it felt great. Uh, and they continue to do so. And season two was, was, was bigger. Uh, season three, they said, we're going to take this in a different direction. So we still want to use you, but we're not going to do some stuff we thought about doing. So, and it's the creative process, whether you're writing or acting or taking pictures, you know, you, you learn as you go. So I certainly, you know, the show is not, you know, Lonnie Watley in, in space or whatever. <laughs> it's about something bigger. Uh, so I'm, I'm, every time they call me, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I don't know what, what's going to happen in season five for me. Uh, I have assurances. People are like, oh no, we got some great ideas. So cool. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But uh, it's one of the things that I, I really appreciate because their vision is strong and because they do amazing stuff. If they think that Lonnie fits in there, awesome. If he doesn't, then he doesn't. But you know, every time has been a great experience and every time is sort of a blessing. So hopefully I get another one. And do they, how much time in advance do you get before you start recording? Uh, again, it's different. I think that was part of the question I didn't answer is that uh, if you're a series regular on the show, there's a different kind of, not just for Billions, but for any show, um, there are different levels of conversation, whether it's the sort of social media level or the what we're doing with the story. As a contract recurring, which I've been on the show and other shows, there's a different level. If you're doing guest spots, you know, you're not getting the overall story. Uh, you're getting your part. Um, so where where the show is going season five uh you're gonna have to ask somebody that's uh, uh higher up the food chain <laughs> and, do you, and do you have a do you have a favorite billions moment let's go 
during the okay. actual show okay. and then kind of offset that offset. doesn't include the, the cigarette All right. healer. Yeah, 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 because yeah, that, that one went on. That, one, that one's my favorite. <laughs> well, I, again, I just, I unexpected and, and obviously the best thing for my health ever. For so, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the show, um, there are several that I'm not a part of because I watch it as a fan and just like enjoy it. So do you watch it after on every Sunday when it comes out? Uh, yeah, unless I'm out of town or something like that. So uh, I think the uh, I was I was on a fishing boat in Maine for the uh, season finale, so I watched that after. Um, so all right, so wait, uh, so yeah, so on set, I think for me. Probably uh, working with Noah Emmerich is one of the directors we had who was an actor on The Americans. He's uh, really super nice, um, uh, super talented. We talked about things as uh, being recurring characters and he gave me again great insight, just uh, one actor to another. Um, that scene was fun knowing that I'm being directed by an actor so there's a certain level of what I'm doing that he understands because he's got to do the same kind of thing. Um, and the scene was one of the few scenes where Lonnie could kind of cut loose where he walks in and he's like, yep, solve this case, solve this case, everything's great. And like, he's kind of making fun of uh, Connery, Toby's character. And that was tremendous fun because it was a little out of character for Lonnie to, to cut loose. So it was great to, after doing the show for a while, to have a moment where Lonnie just kind of is like, yeah, everything's awesome. Um, and then interacting with people in that way was fantastic. That that seemed to uh, do well. People, a lot of people have responded to that. So, so that's probably my favorite moment uh, to act on the show. The burger scene was another scene that was great to, to act. I uh, I was having a burger and, and Toby shows up and I'm just trying to eat my burger. And I've had people say like, "You make me want to eat hamburgers," which <laughs> I, I, it's great if I want to do commercials for McDonald's or yeah. something. I guess, but. <laughs> But uh, that's been uh, those are a couple scenes that have been really awesome for me. And what about off? Off. Um, one thing uh, early on, uh, which was just kind of hysterical, was uh, I've got a scene with Giamatti where we're walking through Central Park, and oh, I know, I, I just saw, saw that one yesterday. It's a really long scene. I when I was working on it, I was walk, I was walking the parking lot where I live, just back and forth, just doing that scene. Like, how long is this walk going to be? And it's just nonstop. Like, this person did this, and it was this kind of thing, and offshore this, and blah. blah, blah. But uh, we finished that scene, and, and there's this crowd gathering at the at the base, and all these people with cameras out, and they've been told to be quiet. And then we finish, and they start clapping, and and and. Uh, production assistant walks Paul over and everyone's taking pictures and he's signing autographs. And, and I got to watch the way he interacts with people, which was great because at the time, well, I'll finish the story, I guess. Um, so I'm watching this and I'm just kind of standing there like this idiot in the background because I remember Paul and this one sweet man like steps out of the crowd with his camera, takes a picture of me <laughs> and goes back to the line with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I was like, oh, he must've been like, well, the guy's gotta be somebody. I'll take a picture of him. Um, but that, that and that day, I got to watch uh, Paul Giamatti interact with people that were fans. And he's so gracious. Uh, so I think when I interact with fans now, I probably just act like Paul Giamatti. You know, because I'm, mm -hmm. like, I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. And like, he was just, it's a, it's, it's a very strange thing to step outside of yourself and have people like stop you in the street and be like, oh my God, this is awesome. It's really cool. But it's, it's. It's just new. It's it's new. The last couple of years, this has been happening. It's happened sporadically in the past, but uh, watching him go through that has been great 
because it helps me figure out how to do things. But watching that guy step out of the crowd was probably the, one of the funniest things. Do you ever ask, um, like, what is it like between actors trying to learn from them? Do you, do you ask a lot of questions? Do people ask you questions? What's that dynamic, like, offset? Because I think, right. especially on a, on a cast like Billions, right. um, it's such a great cast, right. I think, in, in so many different ways. And there's so much talent um, all around the board. Right. And it, it really feels like actors that really want to push themselves and get better. Right. So I'm just wondering from actor to actor, how do you guys right. push each other? I think, you know, talk to any one of the actors, they're going to tell you a different story because, again, everyone's interacting in the way they want to interact with people or how they need to interact with people. Uh, for me, it has been more watching than talking to people because I think that, like, if an actor asks me what's going on during the scene or how they're doing or something, um, you're kind of wrapped up in your own experience of it or the experience of the scene of it. Um, and I don't think that actors tend to want to give actors advice. Um, there have been moments I've certainly asked for advice. So like, hey, have you guys encountered this before? Because you encounter things you haven't encountered before. Uh, I met Bruno Kirby years ago, and, and I was like, I'm going to cry. Like, how do you do this? And he's like, ah, just get some glycerin drops. You'll be fine. You know? <laughs> like, so it's, it's great to have people with a lot of experience, or even people that don't have a lot of experience, that are coming in and they're bringing something new. And you're right about that. People are bringing something new. People are bringing their unique gifts to the show, and I think they do a really wonderful job of casting people uh, that have a, a great deal of integrity in that, in that respect. And do you like to watch yourself in your own work? Who would like to watch myself? That's a tricky word. Let me rephrase <laughs> it. Do you bear to yes. watch yourself? Yes. I, um, uh, I actually had a, a, a party for one of the episodes, and uh, my friends all told me to shut up. Because I was like, oh, who's the fat guy? Oh, look at the idiot acting now. He's like, oh, my God, oh my God please leave the room. I was like, they kicked me out of my own party. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I kind of, I mean, that was mostly playful, but uh, I, anything that's good, and this is kind of the way I am in life, if something's good, great, but there's a problem I want to fix it. So if my car is gorgeous and shiny, but it's, it's sputtering, like I don't want to just be like, well, it's still shiny. <laughs> I want to go and figure out what's wrong. So you do a diagnostic. So I think that's what I do. I look at stuff and say, okay, that was, you know, I left the moment too soon there. I think I should have stayed in that. Was that about confidence in the moment? Like, should I have just lived in that? Why did I make that choice? Uh, so I can become better the next time. Uh, so that's how I watch stuff. I don't, I don't, uh, I watch with a really critical eye because I want to, like I said before, that uh, the two-week training period, uh, you, don't, you don't really get that. So every time I watch something, I can go, okay, I made a, I made a change. This is different than last time. This worked, this didn't work. And then hopefully the next performance gets better and better and better. Theoretically, and and how do you decide what roles you want to take on or not take on? Uh, that's a lovely question. When I'm at a place in my career where that's a real question for me to answer, I'll answer that. I, I've, I've had a few things. I've certainly said no to things in the past, but um, I haven't had a lot of that yet. Um, there are things that I thought were really weird racially, where I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, but that's about it. I mean, I think experience is experience, and uh, I am. Uh, 
looking for for more experience all the time you know i want to i want to get good at what i do and what i do on billions would not necessarily translate if i get a science fiction show mm-hmm. you know how am i going to act against something with a green screen is different than how am i going to you know process you know financial issues in the world of billions or a legal issue in the world of uh, wisdom of the crowd mm-hmm. so um yeah learning as much as i can from everything that i can possibly do uh there's certainly roles that i would love to get but uh, right now, yeah, I've only turned down things that I thought were kind of negatively impactful, um, you know, on a human level. And do you, what do you look for in good writing? Because I know I've, some actors, you'll hear them talk about how great the writing is on a show. And I just kind of wonder that process of when an actor sees a script for the first time, what, do you, what are some of the things you look for or some of the things that really hit home for you? Well... I think that the, one, well, one of the things that I love about the film business um, is that it's collaborative. To me, it reminds me of, uh, I used to run track when I was in school and uh, the relays were my favorite. And I think the film business, TV as well, obviously, um, it, it works best when it's like a relay. Everyone has their individual thing that they do, but then when you pass the baton from one person to the next, that's when it's gotta be seamless. And I think that's what uh, happens often on set or whenever things really work. So I say all that to say that with regard to the writer, I think that writer, actor, director, and everybody else have to kind of, everyone gives a little tiny bit. And in that give is where I think that magic happens. So not first, but the idea that someone is is willing to work. And I think the best writers, in my opinion, the best writers write and they know that they're writing five different characters or 10 different characters and they trust that who you are uh, is something solid. You know what you're bringing to the table and that if you tweak a little something uh, because of character, they can sit back and go, okay, that makes sense. But also one of the best writers can say, okay, I get that, but also think about this. And it becomes a conversation. So I think the conversation is what makes uh, makes things really, really uh, flow. Um, as for the writing itself, being in touch with their humanity being in touch with what motivates a person, not just sort of like the, the, the shiny surface because there's no way to, there's really no place to go with that. I think, I think that if uh, even a scene in Billions I'm thinking about now where my character is, doesn't get a job and the writers allow a bit of dialogue and allow for the space to create an emotional moment. So I think that's it. Again, it's the balance, the balance between what's going on behind the character and what's actually being said and understanding that interplay. If that makes sense. I mean, it's, yeah. it's if I was more of a writer, I could probably answer this, this better. I, I just think that, yeah, attention to detail and, and, and humanity is, because you can talk about the specifics of what we're going to, file this lawsuit we're going to take this and they're just they're just things if there's nothing beneath it it kind of makes a, an audience member kind of go go gray it's like yes i'm just hearing words right now and you talk about attention detail and you talk earlier about you know when you have a big financial term that's maybe a little bit more right. complex right you you do your research so you know yeah. what you're talking about right what are some of the other little ways that maybe even before the cameras are rolling, that you get into that mindset of paying attention to detail? Just being real in the moment. 
I mean, that's really it. Um, uh, one of the advisors on the show, uh, David Miller, um, I call him all the time. I'm like, okay, if this was really happening, if I'm really going for the head of crim, what is that environment like in that office? Um, so that sort of research that happens beforehand, but also he'll be on set, so I'll ask him. Um, again, knowing your character's intention, knowing what your character wants out of the scene. Um, I think that's probably the most important thing um, in terms of getting prepared. I don't think there's much, there's much more than that. And the rest is being free. So if I'm doing a scene and I've got my lines, I know what I want out of the scene. And then someone does something different. Uh, the, the scene at the, uh, the restaurant with Paul Giamatti from last year uh, and Maggie Siff um, um, and my wife. Um, um, that was something where take after take, Paul would do something different, you know, push the wine glass over, stand up at this point, you know, throw something down. So being able to live in who your character is and have a moment like that happen, like at one point he knocked over the wine and I just got it on my hand and it was just like, you know, and, I, and it's, it's, that's still part of that moment. Now they don't use it, they use something else. But if in that moment I was like, oh, Paul knocked over the wine. Should we restart it? You know, like you can't, you can't be outside of it. You have to be in it. So when things change, you're still in that moment, whatever that moment is. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make okay. sense. And do you still work with acting coaches and other people before on a regular basis? Not on a regular basis, which is something I would like to do. Um, I worked with someone in California briefly uh, and it was really, really helpful. Uh, but yeah, I would like to work with someone more regularly because same, same thing with my two-week training thing. Um, if I'm not on set for four months, that's different than if I'm on set every two weeks, different than I'm on set every day. Um, yeah. And do you set any goals for yourself? Kind of like what for you, what's next? How do you push yourself as an actor? Uh, and, you know, I mean... From going from Law and Order, Wisdom of the Crowd, right. all these things in between, right. billions. Do, what do you see? What do you hope? Well, they're they're different. They're what do you mean? What do I hope for? That's what goals. Do you do okay. you ever think of kind of goals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, there is. I think my goals all the time. Uh, the hope to be doing something that's kind of relevant the hope to be putting myself out there in a way that's vulnerable enough that people watching feel something. So um, recently I, I, met, uh, I met a man a couple of weeks ago who just said thank you. And I was like, why? And he's like, I'm, a, I'm an attorney, I'm a black attorney and I don't see that on TV much. Wow. So just thank you because it's nice to have that voice out there. So that's the kind of thing I look for. That's what I want because, uh, you know, growing up, I didn't see anyone that looked like me on television. Um, so part of people's pushback of like, why do you think you could do this? Like, you, you don't even look like anybody. So showing an alternate viewpoint is hugely important to me. Uh, I think that we certainly in our society right now, we tend to be funneling the way we think into really creepy little categories. <laughs> I think that uh, it's really nice to show an alternative because what makes life really beautiful is all the stuff that doesn't fit into a box. So uh, trying to fit into uh, as few boxes as possible, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's it. I, I mean, writing, directing, photography, uh, acting. I went to school for psychology and sociology. It's all the same thing. It's just 
I want us, I want humans to be cool. You know, I want us, I want us to, to, while we can appreciate the differences, I want us to live in the similarities. And I think any character that does that, or if an audience member can see something in themselves that they don't normally see, then I think that's kind of a win. I was, that was, that was a lot of things that I wanted to touch on. <laughs> um, Cause I remember when we first, uh, we were on the phone a week ago or 10 days ago mm -hmm. and what really kind of stood out to me was how you talk about, you know, we're in a very, um, you talk about this society where we can't talk about things. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that was something that kind of came up a few times and it seemed mm -hmm. like something you were very passionate about. Yeah. Is there one particular social, social issue? I mean, I'm sure there are multiple, <laughs> a few. but that you feel particularly passionate about? Or a few that that really that that stick to you and and give you that extra fuel for motivation on how you want to be remembered and how what kind of changes you'd like to see through maybe your acting as well. Right. Sure. Um, well, in school, I uh, I was really fortunate. I went to a very liberal prep school and I took something called Minorities in America when I was fourteen, and we focused on Native Americans, one term, African Americans, and women. Uh, so I've been I've been a feminist theory guy since I was fourteen, which <laughs> which changes the conversation with a so lot of people. So not a lot of people I think I, can say that. No, and uh, I had a, a a feminist theory teacher in college who had to keep reminding people like he's here because he wants to be here. He's like doing this. It's not like this isn't a reaction to something. Uh, I find uh, when I thought about becoming a psychologist, my the the title that I was thinking was uh, uh, changing roles of race and gender in a new world. Uh, so that to me, um, focusing on gender and race stuff, I think focusing on it is probably not, not the right way of putting it, but gender and race stuff I find fascinating. Uh, but I, I actually think that the more people focus on this stuff, uh, the worse things are. Uh, if I look at, uh, and I'll I'm gonna start to wade into dangerous waters here. Um, if I look at Hillary Clinton, uh, versus Barack Obama back in the primaries. You had one person saying glass ceiling and women this and we're going to take this back. And it was all that great for women, but also isolating. Now you had Barack Obama, who's multi-ethnic or black according to everybody else. Um, and he was like, hey, as Americans and, and humanity and as people. And he, and he won. And I think that in my day-to-day -day dealings with people, focusing on what we have in common builds a friendship. If you and I sit here and talk about what's different about both of us, at the end it's like, okay, cool, <laughs> nice to meet you. But if we can talk about tennis, you're already smiling. You see, <laughs> and that's what I mean. When we focus on things that we have in common, that's when you build something. So I think that people need to shut up a little bit and focus more on, on the things that bring us together because that's, that's where people smile. That's where, that's where you know, love and life really exist. And... You know, you talk a little bit, even in that answer, um, about psychology and sociology. Yeah. How have those, your, your, your education in those, as well as your education in, in feminist theory, um, where did this kind of first interest stem from? I, know, I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned you took a, a class when you were 14. Yeah. But then did you imagine having a career in those fields? Or what was, what was like the alternate option if the actor thing didn't work? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I photography was number two, which was again a ridiculous fallback as another art, right? Um, but I've always 
thought about going back for another degree in psychology. Uh, most of my friends that spend a lot of time talking to me on the phone and asking for help are like, you should get paid for this. I'm like, yes, I should. Feel free to send me money for our phone call today. No one sends money, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, uh, you know, growing up uh, multi-ethnic, uh, I think growing up with a, a really uh, a strong mom. What's your, what's your background? Uh, the short version is dad's white, his mom's black. I mean, now in today's culture, I need to make it sound more exotic. So, you know, I don't know. Afro German Euro, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's human. Is a, that's sort of my fallback because again, it's in the end, people say things and people go, oh, "Okay, I got it now." It's like, no, you don't got it. And my parents, right? And that was a great thing about my parents too. They didn't allow me in terms of how this all started. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't fall into categories. You know, I was going to a private school, but my parents were were lower middle class. I, my father's white, my mom's black, my mom's older than my dad, you know, my mom's got tons of degrees. Like all these things that people would think are the norm were pretty much the opposite. So when people want to put me or people into a box, it's like, ah, I'm sorry, it's not going to fit. You know, I, I had a one person uh, uh, play audition and everything was ebonics, if that's still a term. And I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not something that I can do. It's not my my experience and she was a, a white theater director and she was she she had the lethal weapon two moment she was like but but you but you're and she just couldn't say it she was right there and i'm like not all black people like you're talking about an urban voice not it's not it's not about race it's not about black and white it's about socioeconomics but that's a conversation this country doesn't seem really ready to have yet people are more comfortable talking about race and gender and i just don't think they're i don't think they're real issues and that's because of my upbringing. I think that all these sort of things that you hear about, oh, girls are like this, and guys are like this, and black people are this, and white people are like this, and none of it, none of it registered. My own experience didn't suggest that anything people were saying was true. I could see it on TV. I could hear people talk about it, but it wasn't my experience. So, Have you found, are there, are there any people that you know that have maybe a similar experience? Obviously not going to be the same, but that you feel like you somewhat more similar to yours? Um, a few, but I mean, really to the point, I mean, it's not that they look like me, they just kind of had a similar upbringing. Um, right. I actually think uh, Paul Giamatti and I had a similar upbringing in that way, so I think it's one of the reasons why we get along. Um, it's just about if you treat people well, you know, do unto others, you know, I don't care what religion you're from or where, how you get it, but the idea that, you know, treat people well. It's the easiest thing to be nice to a person. And it's just shitty to be mean. Um, it's, yeah, it's really simple. My, you know, it's, my philosophy is really, really simple. So, I think more people should follow it. Yeah, I, I I, think, I'm on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, are, you, are you an only child? No, I've got a younger sister yeah, who's, who's fantastic. What does she do? Uh, she runs an organization up in Boston uh, that helps, uh, helps families get on their feet. Wow. Um, she does amazing. What's it called? I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna tell you the full title because I've got the acronym in my head, and I want to tell you the whole thing. Um, she also is married with three amazing kids. Wow. Um, yes, yeah, she. So uh, you're an uncle. Yes, I'm an uncle, and I love being an uncle. Um, yeah. She, <laughs> um, she's a. I want to tell the story, but it'll embarrass her. <laughs> uh, United South End Settlements. Okay. Uh, is the name of the organization. It's up in Boston, and uh, she is 
we were in high school, she was sort of like a slacker and I was like, I'm captain of this and captain of everything. And then like, I went off to be an actor and now she's like incredibly responsible and does beautiful stuff for people. Um, a couple of years ago, she had a, I'm gonna probably embarrass her anyway, sorry sis. Um, she had a fundraiser and <laughs> she's gonna kill me. Uh, she had a fundraiser and uh, the newspaper came out and like billions actor helps USES. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, are you kidding? It's my organization. I didn't. I was like, ah, nice work, kid. You know, maybe you want to try to, you know, liven things up. Like, anyway, um, that's the only thing I have over her. Otherwise, she's just, yeah, she's really, a, she's a fantastic mom. She's, I, I don't know how she does all the stuff that she does. Uh, and her her compassion level um, for her fellow man is is, is huge. My, my parents and our schooling uh, taught us the same way. So. Have you, have you guys always been as close? Are you? Seems like you're quite close. Um, we're. I think. I think this is the way it normally works out. We're getting closer the older we get. You know, when we were kids, I was like, "Stay away from my Star Wars figures." You know, <laughs> you know, don't leave me alone. Um, and she followed me around. I guess so says my parents. Um, but yeah, I think we get closer every 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 week probably. Uh, I think we, uh, if I had a house and wife and kids, I'm pretty sure that we'd have more stuff in common. We'd be talking about mortgages and different educational systems and stuff. Uh, so a lot of that stuff we don't talk about, but uh, how, we, how we see the world and what we want, we do. And then we just, you know, brother and sister stuff. But we're more in each other's lives now than we used to be. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about your photography. Sure, yeah. When did you first, because, I mean, you, you sent me, um, some really beautiful pictures Thank you. before the, the podcast that I got to look at. But when did your passion for photography kind of, you know, come into your life? And how, I mean, you, you, I think you mentioned that when you're not acting, that's one of your main passions. Yeah, yeah. Um, photography started for me like seventh grade, I think. Wow. Um, I wanted to be photo editor of our yearbook. There was something, I, I think it's a lot of things, you know, again, it's not just one thing. It's, it's uh, hearing, hearing the sound of a shutter on an old Nikon F3 uh, with the, the motor drive on it, um, seeing the cover of National Geographic and, and being like, wow, like just the idea that um, and somewhere in there a little bit later that when people, uh, you know, have a house that catches on fire and afterwards like we lost the photographs. Everyone talks about losing the photographs. Everyone talks about how important photographs are and that a picture is worth a thousand words uh, or certainly can be <laughs> or worth two words. Um, so, yeah, I think all this stuff, uh, seeing amazing images, uh, the sound of it, the machinery, uh, all of it just is all really alluring. And then being seeing images, you know, the Tiananmen Square image all these, where you're just like, Whoa, and it hits you. And the idea of being able to do something to capture something, whether that's personal or uh, something that uh, you can share with the world where other people can, again, just like the acting, see something of themselves in it and allow themselves to be moved by it. Uh, yeah. There's one, when I, was, when I was looking at your pictures, I noticed, not all of them, huh. but I think it was, I'd say the majority uh -huh. were of people. Yeah. And of either in, in a very natural state. I think there are a couple that where they're kind of looking directly and they know that you're shooting. Maybe right. they always know that you're shooting, but right. they're at least, or they're interacting with other people. Right. There was one where it was uh, kind of a crowd of people. There was one with three men, I think, sitting down. Sure, yeah. There yeah. was one, I think, a man was smoking. Right. Um, 
what is it about those interactions that kind of stimulate you? Well, um, the chance to interact with other human beings and to, to learn something. Um, the black and white one of the guys smoking a cigar um, uh, when, I, when I had that up at a show, and it's going to go up at the show too, uh, it was called uh, My Best Spanish. And it's because I was living in the Lower East Side. It was a pretty much a Spanish neighborhood. So I went up to him and I was like, uh, es posible para tu, uh, uh, de tomo un fotografía <laughs> un poquito español en escuela. And he goes, oh yeah, sure, man. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> so, and they're struggling. And uh, he just, yeah, okay. Um, but like that, I love that that's a part of my experience, that story and my, my screw up, his kindness, the photograph itself. Um, all of it. Just uh, I think when I was younger, uh, certainly was not the most popular kid in school, and but I was photo editor of the yearbook. So being the guy with the camera was a passport to experiences that you wouldn't have normally. And through that, the idea again, seeing something you haven't seen, same same as National Geographic, just in a, in a school setting. Like I'm I'm getting in there, I get to see something that we don't see. And that to me is fascinating. That discovery is fascinating. Science is fascinating. Scientists, you know, inventors. I, I love it. Just everyone, anyone who says we can do this better or let's try something crazy, it uh, just turns me on. Do you feel like you're an actor first and then a photographer? Or is there not, or do you feel like you're kind of both and it's depending on? I want to say I'm an actor first. I, at the risk of sounding really lame, I want to say I'm an artist first. Uh, I think that uh, the message is more important uh, than, the, uh, than the conduit. Um, uh, acting is absolutely my first love. Um, filmmaking as well, I've directed things, I've written things. So like the idea of getting that out there, uh, and I think that film and TV uh, you have a larger audience than theater, certainly, than photography, depending on where your photo is. But, uh, yeah, I think it's more about feeling this, again, wanting to connect to humanity and watching people. Like, I was uh, in the backs of several calves, and at night, if, I'm ha if I've got a hat on, uh, I'd like have a... This happened with at least twice with one group and once with the other. I had a cab driver that assumed that I was black and one that assumed that I was white. Um, and both of them wanted to talk to me like I was one of them. And at the end, you know, I, I want to learn. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, totally. And then at the end, I was like, do you know anyone like that? They're like, no, I don't, I don't know any white guys. or No, I don't know any black guys. So it's fascinating to me over and over again that when people get crazy about gender or race stuff, it's coming from a place of fear. It's not coming from a place of knowledge. Um, so anything that knocks fear out and, and instills some, some, some good experience, I think that's a great thing. I want to read you a, a little bit of what your good friend Todd Clark oh, wrote good, to me. God, he knows. Nothing, I, I, yeah. I, I, I took out the, the embarrassing parts. I can't believe that. I can't believe it so, wasn't all embarrassing. <laughs> no, he, he finished it very nice. So <laughs> shout out, shout, very nicely. He shout out to Todd Clark. Uh, he possibly. Write, he, pos <laughs> he says... He is a man who is admired and loved by those who meet him. He sees people. Mm. He said he has also a great knack for capturing people on film, and I think it's for the same reason. Oh. And, I, and I kind of hear that 
come up here when you talk about your experiences and your the way you you interact with people I feel like you truly are interested by other people yeah. and are really I mean maybe this is stems from your education in psychology but you're really interested in the human psyche I am and shout out to Todd thank <laughs> you um yeah I I it, I find it fascinating I absolutely find it fascinating um and I think that we do a lot of talking at people, a lot of people saying that, like Instagram, all this stuff, you know, like I, it blows me away that I can pass on the car who's got jet black tinted windows, but their Instagram is, is on their bumper. It's like, ugh, I just, I don't get it. Everyone's very interested in saying, this is me, this is me, this is what I want, this is who I, who I am. And I just ask people who they are. Find out about other people. I mean, I, I've, I've lived at times more selfishly and, uh, uh, you know, trying to struggle to have money and work as an actor and you're just like, I just have to do this thing. I can't talk to you about anything else. And it's a, it's, it's a, a kind of closed, shallow way of being. Um, I, I don't think anyone is so great that they can just be like, hey, look at me all the time. But I think that understanding why people are like that is interesting. I think that... Um, know, a couple months ago, uh, I'm on the road and uh, getting off my exit, and there's a guy whose car is broken down. Um, look at the guy; it's kind of a beat up car. He looks like a little sketch, not totally sketch, but a little sketch, kind of like rural sketchy. Um, but I'm doing my quick assessment. I'm like, you know what? I, he's probably fine. So I pull the car over, um, go to help him out, and the guy's completely surprised. He's like a Sure, yeah, if you could help, if you could steer the car, that'd be great. And I was like, yeah, of course. So I get in the car, and he's got beautiful music playing, music that I would not have expected from someone that looked the way he did from this car, okay? Just really lovely music. While I'm doing that, another guy sees this, jumps out of his car, and goes to help push. We push the, well, they push, I steer the car off to the side, and then when I get out of the car, the guy's almost in tears. He goes, I didn't think anyone would help me. Wow. So Beautiful. kindness is contagious. Um, I got to, I mean, I certainly wasn't judging him, but I was like, oh, I don't know, he could be sketched. I'm like, my, this is the best music ever. So uh, if we do a little bit more digging, if we go below the surface, and right now our culture is all about the fucking surface. If we dig below the surface, there's so much beauty there, I think. And uh, it's, it's worth it. It's worth finding out. Before we, before the, we started recording, yeah. we talked about how, you are seven years Facebook sober. Yes. And you are proud of this. Yes. yes. And, so. and I think it kind of piggybacks off this idea of the surface. Yes. Can you talk about how removing yourself from Facebook has, you said, changed your life? Yes, absolutely. As I, as I dive back into Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> or dive into Instagram. Um, I found Facebook, and I wouldn't say this is everybody, but my experience with it was that it made me self-critical in a way that wasn't about becoming a better person, but more about flashiness or, you know, did somebody see my post or did they think the thing I wrote was funny? I, I was doing stuff and uh, actually the, the guy that ran reproductions, the photo place that I worked, Cameron Stewart, who was uh, really a mentor um, and I want to thank him. Um, one of the things that he, in many ways, but one of the things that he said was when you start taking photographs for other people, uh, sometimes you lose your vision. 
you start being concerned with what someone else thinks. So did you, did you guys like this? Like, is this the thing that you guys are looking for? Instead of like, hey, this is the thing I have to say. So um, one, I, I find that fascinating. And, and two, I think that it applies here. I think that um, when you're doing the social media stuff, is it really about what you want? Or is it about showing people something that you think everybody wants so you'll become popular? Mm. Look at me in a bikini. Look at me on the beach. Look at me in my, my, my cool drink. It's like, do you really feel it? Is that really what's important to you? Or do you think, like, I don't know, there's a, there's a showiness about things. And I think when people are interested in the showiness versus the depth, um, you got to question where they're at, at physical appearance. Someone that wears, goes out and wears, my mother would always say to me, uh, you've got to dress nice. No one will take you seriously. And uh, one of the reasons I liked acting is like, I'll never have to dress nice. <laughs> Ironically, I've been on two shows where I'm in a suit all the time. So I, that backfired as well. But <laughs> normally I don't have to dress nice. But I said, you know, look, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? I'm spacing his name now. Who's the guy, the, the serial killer in the, the Volkswagen? I'm his space. Oh, Ted Bundy. Bundy. He dressed nice. Yeah. What does that show you? You know, that seems like, oh, I got a dozen roses for Valentine's Day. It's like, that costs like $17. It's a, so these things that, these trappings of like, oh, this means something. They don't really mean anything. Anybody can dress nice. Anyone can buy someone a dozen roses. Um, and I find Facebook is, is, is sort of like that. Or social media, it can be like that. It's, it's very showy. And uh, I don't see, when I scan some stuff, I don't see a lot of depth. I see a lot more showiness. I see. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's rooted in intent. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I know, you know, I'm, I'm grow, I mean, I grew up basically with this kind of since I can really right. remember. Right. And, you know, of course, there are people that I, that I see on Instagram. It's for, it's for that reason only. Right. They want to show you that they have a great life or a great relationship. But right. in reality, you know, you know the reality. It's not like that at all. Yeah. But I also think that, yeah, I think like anything, it has its pros and its cons and it's how you use it. I mean, you talk about coming, you know, discovering Instagram now. Right. And I think Instagram is one of the main ones where, you know, half the stuff you see is people trying to show you, look at me, how beautiful I am, look at how amazing yeah. my life is. Right. But I think there are also so many great moments on social media where you can learn about something. Or even for me with this podcast right. is like, you know, what I like to do is write a little post uh, once I have everything up and it's published to just kind of give a brief description of my guests so that people, right. if, they're, if they're interested in that, can right. then go and check it out. Right. And I think, you know, I think it's interesting. I mean, you'll have to tell me what your experience is with Instagram. Um, but it's definitely, like everything, it, it can be very toxic. And, right. I, and, and Facebook's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why Facebook's kind of on the way down right now. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, like, I mean, part of it, and I know I said this to you earlier, but part of it on Facebook was like, I'm on Facebook and it's like, oh, cool, here's some picture of like me on set or something. And I'd have some people that would write and be like, you know, not everybody's working as an actor. We don't all need to see this. So actually for, it came from an acting teacher. I was like, okay. Uh, I've had, you know, exes that are like, who's your new friend? I'm like, oh God. Like, so there's just this, like, uh, this anxiety around it. That's like, you know, I feel like I'm putting my personal out to be judged. So Instagram... What's interesting is my first impulse was to treat it like Facebook, like, oh, it'll be my friends and I'm gonna put up like a baby picture of me being ridiculous. I've got this picture of me at like six, like holding up the game of life smiling. I would be like, sucker, you know, <laughs> yeah, if I'd only known, right? But I'm like, wait a minute, this is going out to everyone. And 
Now this is, it'll be friends, it'll be people that don't know me, it could be some creepy person, it could be like any, like, what am I putting out there and why am I putting it out there? So the idea of sharing something that people want to see, awesome. I'm a little, I'm a little colored by this, by sort of what I said about the, the Facebook thing. Also, I had a, uh, in my apartment and anywhere I've lived, I have photos from my acting jobs on the wall as well as other photos from different parts of my life. Um, but I watched uh, one friend in particular, but friends come over and it'll make them feel bad instead of good. So the idea of sharing something that I think is cool has often made people feel bad, which as someone who doesn't want to make people feel bad, it becomes a little bit uh, tricky. And then there's the kind of like, oh, look, here's a picture of me with so-and-so. Here's a shoulder to shoulder with so-and-so. Like, what is my point? Am I, is it because I'm trying to say, hey, I did this and how cool am I? Or is it because I think someone's going to be like, oh, that's so cool you did that. And then why does it matter? Mm. You know, like, so I want to share for cool stuff. But once it gets into this kind of like, this kind of headiness, it starts to feel, it feels a little funky to me. So I, I hope that Instagram, I'll be posting a picture of this, is like <laughs> within hours. Um, you know, I hope it's a good thing. I hope that, uh, and one of the things someone told me that I think is really important, uh, my buddy Jordan, uh, he said, you know, make it be what you want it, but be who you are. Because one of it, that's him now and some of what I'm saying here, that uh, you watch, people watch billions and they know me from that, a little bit from wisdom and occasionally very randomly from something else, uh, very randomly. Um, but... I don't know. I mean, do I do I seem very much like Lonnie? Do I seem Lonnie-like right now? No. So I here's would... the thing about Instagram, right? So the way work begets work and people, like I went from Lonnie to another character who was in a suit who was a little bit tight-ass. Um, how do I get the part in the sci-fi movie? How do I get, you know, something where like, you know, I might put a picture of me smiling, God knows, on, on Instagram, which would be weird. You don't normally see that with anything that I do. So the idea that there's another, the other parts of who I am can be out there for a producer or a director or a writer or a studio to go, oh, wow, okay, cool, he's like this. That to me is great because as long as it's just the actual jobs, then who I am and what comes across is strictly a reflection of, or not a reflection, is the job. So anything that, that, that's me falls away. So people only get one thing and they go, well, what can this guy do? Well, he does this, but they don't see anything else. So I think that's a really cool thing about Instagram. Uh, so sharing with people that could be cool and then some people in the business that could go, okay, I see something different in this person. And I think one thing you'll find, and if I can tell you anything from my experience with it, is that the people who are authentically posting on Instagram right. things that they genuinely think are cool and not because they want to show off for some reason, right. you can tell. Yeah. And it's, you'll, you'll, the more you use it, yeah. I think the more you'll see that. I'm looking forward to that. I, I can see, I can see that. I've seen some things where I'm like, okay, cool. But you know, I'm, I'm still kind of running through it like it's hot coals. I'm like, ah, oh, Instagram today. And it's also <laughs> the people, I think the, 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 the weird thing, as you're saying, is like people, as opposed to Facebook, where you accept your friends. Right. On Instagram, and it depends what, if you're public or private or whatever right. that is. But, you know, I think if somebody thinks you're showing off, then they probably don't know you. Right. Is. Right. Right. Or they're working out their own stuff. Exactly. Yes. Uh, well, with me, certainly. With other people, I mean, I, I was. I, 
you know, I look at some page and it's like nothing but a woman in a bikini and 90 pictures. I'm like, well, that's someone who's trying to show off. Yeah. So, I don't have any bikini pictures yet. So Not yet? Not yet. coming soon? No, soon, soon. <laughs> I've got to find the right moment. <laughs> and just, just, just to, to wrap up, yeah. what do you hope your legacy is as an actor, photographer, mm. and just as you say, as a human? Uh, thank you uh, for the question. Um, geez, you know, I, I want I want someone else to say it instead of me. I guess you, you know. Get Todd on here. Sure, yeah, but I can that give was, him a call. That was that's I hope my really best wonderful. Talks about me the way Todd uh, writes about you. Well, honestly, and I would say the same thing about him. Uh, I always say he and I are like the same person in two different bodies. And literally, I think I said this to you when I said to give him a call. Like, I <laughs> if I'm conflicted about something, I'll call him and just be like. Okay, if I wasn't insane right now, and this is the situation, what would I do? He's like, oh, you should do this. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, he's the only person that I trust in that way because uh, we've been best friends since we were seven years old. Yeah, and we have not been the same school since we were in ninth grade. So we've maintained this thing. And just the way they say good friends, you know, it's we can be apart for a year and then we come together and it's like we're, we're eight. You know, his, his wife always says, like, I know when Todd's on the phone with you because I don't hear him laugh like that unless he's on the phone with you. Um, so yeah, that was really wonderful. Um, you know, he's, he's, he saves lives every day. So, I mean, <laughs> I've got people around me that are doing things that are incredibly powerful and I feel, uh, fortunate. And I hope that the work that I do as an artist, um, will go to the same level as what my sister does, what Todd does, um, other people that I know. Um, I think to, it may not be terribly popular. I don't know what the world is going to look like in 10 years, but I'd like to make the world a better place. I know it sounds like a child, uh, but I really, that's what I really want. I, I think that it's, I think humans are awesome. I think Americans can be awesome. I think that we're struggling in this country right now to, we used to talk about our moral center a lot, and I don't hear us talk about that anymore. I feel like everyone's running to catch up. We're running to catch up with the technology, um, but our humanity is not being addressed the same way. Uh, and it's, it's collapsing in a lot of ways. So legacy, to make people think before they jump. <laughs> just think about it for a minute, because um, usually just slowing down for a few minutes uh, makes a tremendous difference in terms of the choices that we make. And uh, yeah, uh, there's a, uh, a movie that came out years ago. Um, I, I recently... I probably shouldn't say that stuff. Anyway, uh, this <laughs> uh, the director, um, uh, Mimi Leader, I think I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, uh, was within the script. Uh, people just kept saying, be good, be good. And very simple, but the message was repeated and uh, it has me choked up now and that's it. Beautiful. You can find, you have an upcoming photo show. Yes. Labyrinth Brewery in Connecticut. Yes, yes. Dates I'll, to be determined? Right. Uh, Mid-July. Mid-July. could be the 14th, could be 16th. And now that I've said those dates, it'll be neither of those two. It'll be something different. But mid-July. Stay posted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you can find him on his new Instagram. Yes. Malachi We're Here. Yes. Malachi, I just want to say thank you so much for, for trekking. First of all, yeah. for trekking from from Connecticut to come down here to Brooklyn, yeah. also just you know, the whole process of emailing you. Then we were on the phone for like 30, 45 minutes, mm -hmm. texting the you know, getting me the the pictures. Everything. It's just been such a an honor to have you on, and uh, an honor to to talk with you because I think, you know, I 
think you have very beautiful ways of looking at the world. So to have you on my show was a tremendous honor. Well, thank you. I, yeah, I don't know where to begin thanking you, really. Uh, I appreciate everything you just said. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, uh, in, and I'm sure in ways that I don't even realize how important it is uh, to talk to another like-minded person, someone who's uh, asking good questions, thoughtful questions, uh, as you know, is not something that's terribly common. So the ability to sit down here with you and do this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I do, I want to also a shout out to my, my buddy Kelly O'Coin, um, who uh, another actor on Billions. And uh, while we don't work together, we hang out. And uh, uh, I called him and I was like, I'm doing this thing. He's like, you're okay. This is going to be great. So thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Jordan, for talking me through stuff. And, and again, Felix, thank you. This has been what I've, and I've listened to other podcasts and I think where, you, where this is going is fantastic. I really do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.